Thanks for listening to The Rest is Politics. Sign up to The Rest is Politics Plus to enjoy ad-free listening, receive a weekly newsletter, join our members' chat room and gain early access to live show tickets. Just go to therestispolitics.com. That's therestispolitics.com. Welcome to The Rest is Politics emergency podcast with me, Rory Stewart. And me, Alistair Campbell. And Rory, thank you for doing it, because I know you've just got off a plane. You'd be amazed at how much Twitter demand there was for us to do this. So we're getting towards 11 o'clock. Where I am, getting towards one in the morning. I know. So thank you for that. (laughs) But I do think that what appears to be a very large nail going into the coffin of Boris Johnson's political career merits an emergency podcast. I don't know how much you've been able to follow But it's been a very, very, very strange day. You and I were in London together this morning. Um, And since then, first of all, we had Nadine Dorries saying on her TV station that she is not going to be provoking a by-election because at that time she thought she was going to be on a peerages list and she would sort of hang around for a bit. And then it turned out that she wasn't in Boris Johnson's resignation honours. And so she decided to throw toys out of the pram. Oh, sorry, just on that one, I said, am, am I right in saying she probably was in Boris Johnson's resignation orders, but that Rishi Sunak decided to strip certain people out of Boris Johnson's resignation That is why I suspect yeah, has yeah. happened. However, yeah. Rishi Sunak, Downing Street are claiming that Rishi Sunak had nothing to do with this. That I know to be nonsense because he has to have something to do with it because he has to sign off the resignation honours. And indeed, on this podcast, you were encouraging him to try to strip some of the people out of Boris Johnson's resignation honours. You were complaining about him giving honours to people like I Dean was. Doris. I, w- yeah. I was actually saying, I think he should have told Boris Johnson and Liz Trust that they weren't entitled to them. And particularly because with Boris Johnson, this Privileges Committee report was hanging over him. So we had the whole farce of the honours today. And then the full list came out and it was all Boris Johnson's supporters and it was people who worked in number 10 who helped him try to cover up the party gate stuff and then literally just as that story was kind of dying down well not dying down but we're sort of absorbing all that then the next thing we get this news flash that boris johnson's stepping down from parliament having read the privileges committee and then coming out with this statement that is so full of self-pitying narcissistic whinging and what is incredible And it's amazing how history sometimes works like this. The same day, we have Donald Trump claiming a kangaroo court is out to get him on this indictment, which I've managed to read. It's very, very long and it's fascinating. And we should probably put it in the show notes at some point. The 49-page indictment of Trump is pretty damning. And at the same time as he's saying this is a kangaroo court and these enablers are coming out to say this is terrible what's happening, we then have literally on the other side of the Atlantic, on our side of the Atlantic, Boris Johnson playing exactly the same game. The resignation statement, for those who haven't read it, it it is the most bizarre document. It is a bit Trumpian because it's very sort of rambling. For somebody who was once meant to be one of the kind of masters of the 800-word column, extremely experienced journalists used to toss these things off at an hour, it's astonishing. And maybe that's the sort of self-pitying thing. He sort of repeats himself has one go at Harriet Harman, wanders off in another direction, criticizes Rishi Sunak, grumbles about the Conservative Party, has another go at Harriet Harman, wobbles around again, says how much he loves his constituency, laments himself again. I mean, it, it's a very peculiar document. 
Mm. Well, it is Trumpian. It's um, uh, in that it's just sort of flying around blaming anybody but himself. I did think the look, as you know, I'm no great fan of of Rishi Sunak. I, as I said on the television this evening, I think if Rishi Sunak had not been following Johnson and Truss, he would be seen as a kind of middle-ranking minister in a middle-ranking department material. But because he's better than those two, he's seen somewhat higher. But I think that Johnson basically saying, criticising Rishi Sunak for failing to do these things that Boris Johnson won his mandate on, Boris Johnson won his mandate on exactly the same things and he failed to do them. <laughs> and he had longer in the job than and, and than furthermore, some of the things he's talking about in the resignation honours list are part of the sort of Liz Trust legacy. He's still pushing for these very reckless, unfunded tax cuts, which basically uh, bombed Trust the, the British economy. economy. Yeah. Um, so it's I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think Boris Johnson, having won this huge majority, I mean, or, I mean, a significant majority, given that the Conservatives have been in so long then did something almost unprecedented, which was to blow up his own career in a couple of years. And he did it really through endless sort of examples of just lack of personal focus, integrity, seriousness revealed in a whole series of ways. And so I think a bit like Trump, the public thinking about him has a slightly muddled view of him because we can barely remember what it was that he did. I mean, was it that he prorogued Parliament or was it he was sort of endorsing somebody who was going around feeling up other MPs or or was it that he was sort of cheating on his wallpaper or not doing his COVID stuff or getting someone to pay for the treehouse for his child? We, we, we hardly know because it just seemed as though every week that he was in, there was another one of these things. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting tonight, I, I because I was... <laughs> I was being inundated with bids to talk about it, and I wanted to wait until we did the podcast. But then I didn't know what time your flight was landing, so I I did do a little bit of pedultery. I went out and did Sky News and the BBC and a bit of radio, and it was interesting talking. You know that thing when you have to listen to other people gabbing on before you get on, and it was interesting how many of the journalists were they were still judging him through this prism of well, you know, never rule him out because he's a proven winner. And never rule him out because the media love Boris Johnson because he gives so much material. And in one of the interviews on Sky, I said, listen, that mindset and that attitude is part of the problem that has given us this guy who has then done so much damage to the country. And I actually did say at one point, I think it was on the BBC, I said, look, when Steve Rosenberg, the excellent BBC Moscow editor, talks about Vladimir Putin, he regularly says Vladimir Putin, who we know has a track record of lying about these issues, the BBC and other media, they have to start doing the same about Boris Johnson. The guy is a proven liar, and he's lying again tonight, and he's blaming other people tonight, and it's just horrible to watch. I actually think these Conservative MPs on the committee, I think they've got a case for defamation, you know, for what he's been saying about them. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of these people, Bernard Jenkin, Alberto Costa, are quite, you know, will see themselves as relatively serious, objective people trying to do their jobs. And he's basically suggesting it's a kangaroo court and that it was unfair from the beginning. But it's part of the general populist playbook, isn't it? Because I think one of the things that populism has revealed and the collapse, I think, of the right, I mean, it's something we were talking about actually just in something we were doing earlier today in, a, in an interview that's coming out and leading with Michael Ignatieff in two weeks. He was saying that the collapse of the right-wing parties into populism has been so dramatic. It's interesting. He's somebody like you from the left. And he was saying in quite a generous way that actually 
some of the moderate conservatives were part of the creation of the post-World War order, and he was paying tribute to Harold Macmillan for his house building and stuff. But one of the key themes of Boris Johnson and these conservative populists is a sort of contempt for the constitution. Mm. They claimed that they were pushing through Brexit because they believed in the sovereignty of parliament. But every time parliament has tried to question him, he's just tried to rubbish parliament. He's done it when by trying to prorogue them, by trying to ignore parliamentary votes, and now going against the major privileges committee of parliament instead of doing the honorable thing, which is saying, you know, obviously I disagree, but I respect the institution and this is what they found that I'm going to have to go. It's very, very sort of petty and vindictive. Mm, it's, to- it's, it's totally Trump. And of course, the other big point that he's hoping will land and he knows most of his right-wing media enablers will pick up is basically already running the, it's a Brexit conspiracy card. This is all about people trying to undo his wonderful Brexit. But, but just to depress you, I'm afraid my sense of the guy is that he doesn't want to give up. And he's partly done this because he loves getting the headlines. He felt it was going to be uncomfortable sitting in Parliament with all this stuff coming out. This report, COVID report, separate COVID report coming. So he wants to get the headlines. But I also think he still has a huge fantasy about being leader of the opposition. He's somebody who loves opposition because he's not very good at governing. He loves Mm. generating headlines. He sees himself sort of mocking Keir Starmer from the other side of the benches. And I think it's well within possibility that he may try to use this to get himself out of parliament so that he's not kicked out. He resigns before he's kicked out and tries to use it to come back again in the next election and take over the Conservative Party. Mm. I think the other reason we want to get out is because it's becoming embarrassing month after month seeing these registered members' interests and the vast sums of money that he's making for going around the world telling silly after-dinner stories, which he he will no longer have to do. He may go away and make lots of money, well, I mean, it's, sorry, it's, sorry, one thing, sorry, that, that, um, actually our producer pointed out is that in his, um, in his resignation speech, he says, very sad to be leaving parliament dash at least for now. Oh, yeah. That's absolute, absolutely signaling that he's, he's, he's going to hang around. Listen, we've said before that although he's very Trumpian in a lot of his antics, he is more Berlusconi than Trump. Uh, he's, he's somebody that, that thinks he always thinks he'll be able to come back. We've said, I've said many times about Johnson on this podcast that his entire life has been about getting into scrapes and then showing that he can get out of them when everybody says that he can't. But I think with this, if the Conservative Party seriously decides to bring this guy back in any capacity in the near future, I think they're, they're in real mortal peril. Is it remotely possible? It seems very, very unlikely. But is it remotely possible that the reason why Nadine Doris is going at exactly the same time as Boris Johnson is that he's actually planning to announce that he's going to stand in Nadine Doris's by-election and come back into Parliament in six weeks' time. But he'd have to be accepted there. But, but I know they could have the whole thing with the local party, but Rishi Sunak would have the power to say, no, that's not going to happen. And by the way, we're pleased to know, Roy, that in one of the interviews, one of the interviewers was saying, but Boris Johnson makes the point that it should be, it should be the electorate that gets rid of MPs. This sets a very dangerous precedent, in which case he could have, you know, he could have, bear in mind, this report is not a definitive judgment is what is a recommendation to parliament parliament then votes he could have done that and he could have stood if there had been a by-election but, but it's also that the journalist is is um my, my apologies for this the, the noise of a jordanian um uh, strange musical gas tank going past um i think the journalist is wrong i don't think you should be seeing this as setting a dangerous precedent 
I think it's important that Parliament is sovereign and Parliament has power. Mm-hmm. And Parliament has always had power to be able to remonstrate against MPs who have broken the rules of Parliament or broken the rules of the nation. Yeah. And oh, in, yeah, we had we had one the other day with the, the SNP, Margaret Ferrier from the SNP, who was kicked out for God knows how long. But I think the other point I thought was quite interesting in, in terms of his take and the way that he was projecting all this, I, I think that you really do get a sense that now he really doesn't care about the future of the Conservative Party. There's no, no he, st- he never has. He never has. I mean, I think he, 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 he's barely a Conservative. I think a bit like the way that Donald Trump was never really a Republican. I mean, he's somebody who fundamentally cares about power. He's somebody who, when he was six years old, said he wanted to be world king and set out very successfully to turn himself into a major celebrity and take power. But I think at, without, I think one of the things that we don't want to fall into the trap of is giving him what he wants, which is getting another burst of press attention, getting a sort of martyrdom out of a particular fringe of the right of the Conservative Party who thinks he's been badly treated. You know, he's recycling all the same conspiracy theories here mm. about Sue Gray, for example, the, the, the senior civil servant who's now gone off to work for, for Keir Starmer. All the stuff that Jacob Rees-Mogg and Nadine Doris have been parroting for months, he's now put into his his resignation speech. But we must try to remind people that he is a bad man and that he was a very, very bad prime minister because in the end, he did not have the seriousness or the thoughtfulness or the integrity to do that job. Uh, by the way, I did sort of refer to you because when they were telling me that, you know, Parliament should have kicked him out, I said, well, maybe he should have thought about that, about all the MPs that he decided weren't fit to stand, uh, you among them and all the other people that weren't going to support his then policy on Brexit. It'd be interesting to know what Sunak is genuinely thinking about this. I mean, it does feel to me, this feels like um, I was on one of the programmes with Anne Widdicombe and she basically said this feels like it's irreparable in terms of the future of the Conservative Party in the next election. I mean, Rishi Sunak must want him out of his hair, I'd have thought. He must want him off the scene. Was he trying to do a deal with him on these at this honours list? That's obviously gone wrong because of um, Nadine Dorries. The usual suspects, Rhys Mogg's already been out, Priti Patel's already been out, Simon Clark. All the ones who've been given baubles and gongs are all out saying, kangaroo court, kangaroo court. This guy, Campbell Bannerman, who runs this organisation that was set up basically to sort of try and get Johnson back, says this is a de facto split in the Conservative Party, we'll rally around Boris. Um, so will there, you know, there is talk of whether he goes and forms a new party. If he does that again, I think that's really, really bad news for Rishi Sunak. So I think he'll just be hoping that he will go away, but Johnson won't go away. It's just that I think the longer, the more that people do get reminded of the lies, of the mistakes, and don't underestimate how awfully he is going to come out of this COVID inquiry. Yeah, and and, and, how, and, and actually what the Privileges Committee is going to report on Monday. I mean, I think the it, whatever he read that led him to trigger the by-election, I think is going to be eye-popping when we see it, mm. what they will have concluded about the way that he behaved and the way that he misled Parliament consciously misled Parliament, thought nothing of it, just thought that he could get away with just looking people in the eye and saying there were no parties in Downing Street when he knew perfectly well there were, when his own staff were giggling about it. Some of whom are are being given 
knighthoods and peerages and all sorts of nonsense. Don't you think, Roy, that thinking of your 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 favourite person on the planet, King Charles, don't you think he was put in a really invidious position here? That, and I don't, I'm really shocked that the palace didn't at least have a mind to. They knew this privileges committee report was going to come. Um, they could have had a fair assessment. It wouldn't have been hard for them. Bear in mind, the king is allowed to look at any document that he wants about anything. Um, so to have this t- this timing of King Charles has graciously approved the honour of blah de blah de blah de blah, and then you have these ridiculous people like Andrea Jenkins, so pleased that the king has chosen to honour me, blah, 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 blah. And then, literally hours later, the guy who has put those people in those honours, given those honours and peerages, is... is, is it has to resign in disgrace. I yeah. think that puts King well, Charles I, I, in a terrible I mean, I, position. I, and, I, and I think it was the same when Boris Johnson lied to to Her Majesty the Queen about proroguing Parliament, claimed that he wasn't doing it with anything to do with Brexit in order to get the excuse to get the royal prerogative to prorogue Parliament. Is King Charles going to have to pin a medal on Jacob Rees-Mogg's chest when he uh, 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 says a rise to <laughs> Jacob? I mean, the whole thing's absurd. Oh, it's it's. It, I think it's deeply disturbing. And what, I, do you I think, think, what do you think the king will be thinking, Rory? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to stay off that subject. That's the subject I, I don't comment on. Subject I don't comment on. Um, <laughs> but I do do think your question, what Rishi Sunak's thinking, is very interesting because it's uh, as as, you, as your great friend Emmanuel Macron likes to say. On the one hand, on the one hand, he's going to be thinking, "Thank goodness I got rid of this guy." And in fact, remember, you've been pushing for weeks now for him just to fire him and get get him out, mm. get him out of Parliament. Um, so he's gone, but at the on and, and actually in some ways, remember he only managed Boris Johnson only got about twenty people rebelling against the Windsor framework, the Northern Ireland deal that Rishi Sunak brought together. So in some ways, Rishi Sunak has proved in a way that Liz Truss hasn't that he can last. He will last through the next election. Mm. He's got a reputation, at least amongst my friends in the Conservative Party, for being much more serious, much more competent, much more focused on the details. But now he's got this great inflated elephantine buffoon prancing around outside parliament, trying to set up some splinter opposition rebellion conservative party, Mm. aiming almost certainly to come back in the next election in a kind of Berlusconi Trumpian way. And he's also got, as I've experienced sort of doing the rounds tonight, he's also got quite a lot of media enablers, who will continue to the, the the line being run out of these CBBS people is is all you know. This is a terrible betrayal, kangaroo court, usual stuff. CBBS is your word for 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 GB News, is it? That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, I don't <laughs> take, I don't take them terribly serious. Although I do think they're quite dangerous because they're funded by very very right wing people, uh, mainly based abroad, who don't care how much it costs as long as they start to have influence. I see that the Privileges Committee have said that they're going to speed up, they're going to meet on Monday to speed up publication of the report. And Uxbridge and South Rice, South Ryslip Conservative Party HQ has told people that anybody who's on the central party candidates list has got till 5pm 5 5 Monday to apply. So there could be a big chance, Hester. Um, I, I do what, think to be a Tory candidate? I yeah, think yeah, that's it's very good, unlikely. It's straight in there in Uxbridge. You've got till Monday. <laughs> the chances of me being a Tory MP are very, very slim, Rory. <laughs> I think you have a better chance. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to get my name in by Monday. I do think, though, it illustrates something that we've been talking about, which is the knife edge that Rishi Sunak has been on trying to hold the Conservative Party together. And as he has become more sensible, more moderate, 
has made decisions like not trying to take through the bill of shredding all the EU legislation, getting the Windsor framework through, not making reckless tax cuts. In fact, doing all the sort of things that people like me on the centre-left of the Conservative Party want him to be doing. He's taken this enormous risk with the right of the Conservative Party. And I'm afraid with Boris Johnson's departure, there's a real risk that he will lose red wall Brexit voters. And Boris Johnson will, and this is the this is why Boris Johnson is so disloyal and destructive, and why no previous Conservative Prime Minister has ever done anything like this. Not Ted Heath complaining about Margaret Thatcher. No, no Labour leader that I can think of has ever been just so destructive to their party as Boris Johnson is being. Because mm. he's mm. basically trying to remove from the Conservative Party the idea that they have anything to do with Brexit. So he's going to try to split them in two and present himself as that true voice of Brexit, try to portray mm. uh, Rishi Sunak as a Remainer and an anti-growth Remainer. And by doing so, he's basically knifing his successor in the back. I think he's also trying to, I think he, he wants, he probably deep down now wants Sunak to lose because he wants to preserve the myth that he's a winner. And he wants, and to, and he wants to be leader of the opposition. I mean, of course, really, Rishi, but he, but he, and of course he, he wants Rishi Sunak to lose because if Rishi Sunak wins, Boris has no chance of coming back into the leadership. Mm. But, he won't, but, but, but to become leader of the opposition after an election, he has to get a seat. Uh, now, maybe he could get a seat. I, I, I suspect that what this is all about is creating the narrative that I was a winner. I got majority of 80. If only that kept me, we could have won again because I was a proven winner. Sunak was a loser. He didn't what I tell him to do. And of course, he's got so many... Uh, he does still have so many enablers uh, who will be pumping it out tomorrow. And I think, I think for the public, though, I think I really do believe the public saw through this guy some time ago. But the problem is the public isn't just one thing. And as we found with Donald Trump, there's always going to be a chunk of the population that bizarrely, the more that people like you and me attack them, the more that we point out their lies, the more that we point out their incompetence, the mm. more they decide that they're martyrs. And that somehow they're martyrs to a elite opinion or remainer opinion that's out to get them, and mm. that they represent the real people. It's astonishing. I mean, you you can see these pictures now of Trump, absolutely extraordinary pictures of him almost being portrayed in the United States as though he's Jesus, as though he's yeah. a sort of martyr on a cross. Yeah. And and we will get hopefully not as many, but there will be people out there presenting Boris to say misunderstood, wonderful, and actually bizarrely, even moderate conservatives are now getting in touch with me or were over the last few weeks saying, please stop attacking Boris. You're beginning to sound a bit bitter. Let it go. Don't keep harping on about him. He's not that bad. And a surprise when I say, no, he really is a very, very, very bad man. I mean, this is the mm. worst, genuinely, the worst prime minister, I think, that the United Kingdom has ever had. And and the worst sort of character that you could have as prime minister, because he just doesn't have any of the, It's not just the, the lack of focus, the lack of work, the lack of attention to detail. It's actually the lack of care and concern for the genuine national interest. We had a, a great example of the other day. I don't know if you followed this story about the his negotiations with the Australians over the, the trade deal, where they absolutely basically took his pants down and and spanked him and, and got the whole thing done totally as they wanted it With done. With huge damage to British farmers. Massive, so massive. My constituency, small Cumbrian farmers, very, very worried about that. 
And he's still fantasizing about a US trade deal that is never going to happen. I know he's criticizing Sunak on that. He's saying, why hasn't Rishi Sunak gone and got the trade deal? Well, why didn't you answer? Because you lied about what the, the, your capacity to to do so. So no, I, and, and I think that, look, you, you'll never write him off. I get that. But I still think that, I do think tonight that the turd is being flushed away finally. And let's please not forget what he represented. Post-truth, polarization, populism embedded in that man. This was somebody who deliberately tried to whip up people against the elites, frayed our constitution, broke the ministerial code, then tried to rewrite the ministerial code so he wouldn't have to resign from breaking the ministerial code. And in all his actions showed such contempt for everything that we should hold dear about our constitution, our country, our traditions. And now he's attacking the very conservative party that enabled him and ripping it to pieces in his own fall. And the parliament for which he claimed he was fighting back uh, to get sovereignty. Well, listen, Rory, thanks for doing that. Thanks for getting straight from the airport into your humble abode in Amman. Well, thank, thank you. Well, I mean, obviously it's 10 past one in the morning and I've wound myself up so much, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep, but I'm pleased he's left Parliament anyway. Yeah, I'm going tomorrow to the Kite Festival to talk about the best-selling book, But What but Can what I Do? What Can I Do? And then uh, Fiona is going to pick me up and we're heading off to Windermere in your old part of the world to do the Great North Swim. Oh, fantastic. Well, swim yeah. safely. I will. All the best. See you all soon. Right. All the best. Bye-bye.